Amen. Well, please take your Bibles and turn with me now to the book of Matthew. We're in Matthew chapter 24 this morning in verses 1 through 35. Our message series is called Jesus in Jerusalem. And, and yet, it somehow feels like we're starting a whole brand new series this week. Jesus is still in Jerusalem, okay? We're still in the series. But now, in these final two chapters in the series, Jesus uh, addresses a new topic, uh, which is the return of Christ. He t starts talking about what it will be like when he returns. And so that's going to be our theme for these next five Sundays, the second coming of Christ. And we're going to look at chapter 24, verses 1 through 35 this morning. To get started, though, I just want us to read verse 3. If you'll please stand together for the reading of God's word. Uh, please listen as I read Matthew 24, verse 3. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? This is the word of God. Let us pray. Well, dear Lord, as we look into this amazing chapter detailing the signs that will precede your return, Lord, I pray that we would not only uh, come to understand the, the signs as we see them in the, wor in the words of Scripture, but that we, we would come to understand the signs as we see them in the world around us. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to make that connection that you intend for us to see today. Lord, we ask that you would speak to us now through your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. The return of Christ is one of the most important doctrines in the Bible. Uh, the story of Jesus is not complete without it. The story of Jesus is pretty simple. Jesus came. Jesus died. Jesus rose again. Jesus ascended to heaven, but you can't stop there, right? Jesus will return to earth. And the story of Jesus and indeed the history of all mankind are not complete until Christ returns. And here in the Gospel of Matthew, chapters 24, 25, Jesus gives us such rich teaching about his return. I just want to give you sort of a, a, a preview of what we're going to be looking at over the next five weeks. Uh, we're going to be looking at five aspects uh, concerning Christ's return. We'll put them up on the screen for you. Today, of course, we're looking at the signs of Christ's return. That leads us into next week where we'll look at what does it mean to be ready for Christ's return. And then we'll see what does it mean to be waiting for Christ's return and preparing for Christ's return. And finally, we close out the series with judgment at Christ's return. This is how Jesus taught about his second coming, and this is how we will follow it throughout the scriptures. Knowing all five of these aspects is essential for us as we await the second coming of our Lord. And so today we begin with the first of these. We're going to look at the signs of Christ's return. Jesus' return will be preceded by specific signs, and Jesus told us what to look for. He told us what to look for so that we would not be caught off guard at his coming. Now, there's an outline in your worship guide. I really encourage you to take it out today. Sometimes you, people do, sometimes they don't. There's a lot of material we're going to cover in about 30 minutes' time, and uh, it will be really helpful to follow along in that outline so you can see where we've gone and where we're going. Uh, but we're going to look at our passage in three sections. Number one, know the context. Number two, know the signs. Number three, know that he is near. Ready? Here we go. Number one, know the context. We need to know the context of Jesus' teaching about these signs if we're going to understand the signs themselves. And there are actually two contexts here. 
The first one, the immediate context, was the coming destruction of Jerusalem. You might remember Jesus ended the last chapter with a lament over Jerusalem, over the fall of Jerusalem that was coming. And now as he's walking away from the, from the, the, the temple, his disciples come up to him and, and they call his attention to the buildings, the, the beautiful buildings of the temple. Look at verses 1 and 2 with me there. Jesus left the temple. He was walking away when his disciples came up to him and called his attention to its buildings. Do you see all these things, Jesus asked? I tell you the truth, not one stone will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down. You've got to understand that the Jewish temple at this time was a magnificent structure. It was constructed out of these huge stones of white marble, and the entire front was covered with, with uh, plates of gold. And the disciples, they were just so impressed by it. They say, Jesus, look at this. Isn't this amazing? But Jesus knows the end is coming. He says, yeah, you might be impressed, but not one stone is going to be left. Each one is going to be thrown down. And so this gets the disciples thinking. So they, they come up to Jesus with some follow-up questions. We see this in verse 3. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, private conversation. Tell us, they said. When will this happen, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Jesus is sitting on the Mount of Olives, by the way, a very significant place in biblical prophecy. And the disciples come to him, and notice they ask him two separate questions. There's two questions here, aren't they? When will this happen, and what will be the sign of your coming? When will this happen refers to the fall of Jerusalem, what Jesus just said to them. The temple is going to be thrown down. Jesus says, lament over Jerusalem. They didn't know when that was going to take place. We know when it took place, 70 AD, 40 years after this conversation, 40 years after Jesus died and rose from the dead. When will this happen, and what will be the sign of your coming? Now, I think the disciples thought that it was one question, okay? They thought all that was going to happen at the same time. The sign of your coming refers to Christ's return, which will sig signal the end of the age. It will signal that time when this present age comes to an end and God's kingdom comes in all of its fullness. The end of this age, the beginning of the age to come. So the disciples ask two separate questions. Very important to know this context. Two separate questions. And we need to know that in order to understand the teaching that follows. Because as Jesus teaches, sometimes he's answering one of those questions. And sometimes he's answering the other question. In fact, Jesus' answers to these two separate questions, his answer is so intertwined, it's really hard to sometimes to know which one he's answering. And that's because although these two events do not take place at the same time, one has already taken place, one is yet to come, they are related to each other. The destruction of Jerusalem, the fall of Jerusalem, this is what we call a foreshadowing or a type of what will happen when Christ returns at the end of the age. So this is the context. We need to know the context of Jesus' teaching. Jesus is answering the two questions of the disciples. When will this happen? The fall of Jerusalem. What will be the sign of your coming? So that's the context. Secondly, you need to know the signs themselves. And that's really the bulk of our message this morning. We're going to spend most of our time now just looking at the signs of Christ's return. And you'll notice that I've divided it up on your outline sheet. First, we have what we might call the general signs. General signs of Christ's 
return, what Jesus calls the beginning of birth pains. Look at verses 4 through 8 with me. Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, claiming I am the Christ, and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. But see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. And here Jesus tells us to watch for a number of signs. Let me break it down for you. In verses 4 through 5, he warns about false messiahs, about people who will come in his name claiming to be the Christ. And you know what? Throughout all of history, since Jesus came, you know what's happened? People have stepped forward claiming to be Christ or claiming to be representatives of God. Jesus says, watch out that no one deceives you. It's happened all through history. Then Jesus says there will be wars and rumors of war. And once again, throughout all of history, we've had wars and rumors of wars, right? This is why we call these general signs. We're living this one right now, aren't we? Wars and rumors of wars. You know, several weeks ago, I didn't know if it was going to be a war or a rumor, you know? And now we're in the war part of it. It's good to note Jesus' instruction to us when we hear about wars and rumors of wars. Did you hear what, he's, did you hear what he said? He said, do not be alarmed. But see to it that you're not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Don't be alarmed. God is with you. He is in control. Thirdly, Jesus says there will be natural disasters. Now, he specifically mentions two things, famines and earthquakes. But this would include all kinds of natural disasters. Hurricanes, tornadoes. There was a bad tornado last night. Drought. And even pandemics, and plagues. Once again, these types of things have also happened throughout human history. So these are general signs. They are reminders to us that this world is not right. They're reminders of God's judgment on this world of sin and that Christ is coming again to make all things right. They are, what Jesus says, the beginning of birth pain. Wonderful illustration. When you think of birth pains, what happens? At first, they come further apart, but then they increase in frequency, don't they? And at first, they're not as intense, and then they increase in intensity. And so with these general signs, we can expect to see more of these signs and greater intensity of these signs as we get closer to the end. Someone might ask, well, does that mean when we see a Worldwide pandemic, like the Spanish flu of 1918 or COVID-19 in our time, does that mean that we should be paying attention? Absolutely, right? It's one of the general signs. False messiahs, wars and rumors of wars, pandemics, natural disasters, these are all part of the general signs preceding Christ's return. But then Jesus goes on to share some more specific signs. Look at verses 9 through 14 now. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. And you will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. 
but he who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be, will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. So here now the signs get a little more specific, don't they? Uh, although we can still point to many, if not all, of these signs as appearing at various times in human history. First, there will be a great persecution of the church, and many will fall away from the faith. In other words, this persecution is going to weed out the false believers from the true believers. Now, Christians have been persecuted and killed for their faith throughout all of church history. There's terrible persecution of the early Christians under Nero and the other Roman emperors. Uh, uh, pretty much uh, almost all of Jesus' disciples were martyred for their faith. Indeed, every single century has seen persecution of Christians for their faith. However, there has been an absolute explosion of Christian persecution in the last hundred years or so. More Christians died for their faith in the 20th century than in the first 19 centuries combined. Let me give that to you again. More Christians died for their faith in the 20th century than in the first 19 centuries of the church combined. Is this a sign of Christ's return? Jesus says, yes. And then Jesus says there will be false prophets and false teaching that will deceive many. Of course, there's been false teachers throughout history, but boy, today we see so many cults and false religions that draw people away from the truth of Christ. By the way, that's why it's so important that you read and study God's word and, and get involved in Bible studies and learn God's word so you can discern God's truth from false teaching and you won't be deceived. Thirdly, Jesus says the love of most will grow cold. Some will fall away because of persecution. Some will fall away because of false teaching. But all who fall away will do so because their love has grown cold. Watch your heart. Watch your heart. Make sure that your love for Christ is burning bright. Many will show that they were not true believers, Jesus says, but those who endure to the end will be saved. And then fourthly, Jesus says, the gospel will go out to the world. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, Jesus said. And then the end will come. Do you want Jesus to come back? Okay, this is, this is a yes one. Okay, I'll give you the answer. Yes, okay. You want Jesus to come back? Then get busy sharing the gospel, right? You got to get busy sharing the gospel. They two go together. And the good news is that the church has been busy. The church has been busy, not just our church, I'm talking the worldwide church, has been busy sharing the gospel. Just as there has been an explosion of persecution of Christians over the past hundred years, there has also been an explosion of Christian missions over the past 200 years. And the great missionary movement that began in the 1800s continues today. The gospel is going out to every corner of the world. Praise God that our little church here, we get to be a part of that. As we pray for our missionaries, as we support missionaries all around the globe. Praise God. And so there's, these are some of the more specific signs that precede Christ's return. There will be the persecution and falling away of believers. There will be 
false teaching that deceives many. The love of many, if not most, will grow cold. But even in the midst of all of this opposition, what happens? The gospel continues to go forth and out into the world. And once again, these are all things that are happening right now, folks. They're happening right now. You just have to open your eyes and see the signs all around you. Next, we come to what I call a more mysterious sign. A mysterious sign. What the Bible calls, get this, the abomination that causes desolation. Okay, that's a mouthful. What in the world is that? Well, as we look at this mysterious sign, it is important to remember that Jesus is answering, remember, two separate questions from the disciples. They're asking, when will the fall of Jerusalem happen? What will be the sign of your return? Jesus' answer to both of those questions is going to be intertwined uh, in these following verses. Look at verses 15 through 20. Jesus says, so when you see standing in the holy place the abomination that causes desolation spoken of through the prophet Daniel, let the reader understand, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let no one on the roof of his house go down to take anything out of the house. Let no one in the field go back to get his cloak. How dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. Pray that your flight will not take place in winter or on the Sabbath. Uh, the, these words about this abomination, this goes back to the prophet Daniel. Daniel first was the first one who prophesied about the abomination that causes desolation. Daniel's prophecy was fulfilled long before Jesus was born. Daniel's prophecy was fulfilled in 186 B.C. when a ruler named Antiochus Epiphanes set up a statue of Zeus in the temple and sacrificed a pig on the altar. That was the abomination that causes desolation. But as we read Jesus' Jesus's words here, we learn that that was just the first fulfillment of this prophecy. Because here Jesus says there will be a secondary fulfillment of this prophecy from Daniel, which will take place with the desecration of the city and temple by the Romans in 70 A.D., and indeed, the Christians who were in the city in 70 AD, when they saw the Romans coming, they heeded Christ's warning. They remembered what Jesus said here. They got out. They, got, they ran for the hills. And so they were not trapped in the terrible, terrible siege uh, that took so many lives in the, in the attack on Jerusalem. Antiochus in 186 BC, the Romans in 70 AD, these are once again our only foreshadowings or types of the Antichrist to come. There will be a third and final fulfillment of this prophecy in the last days before Christ returns. How will that take place? We're not sure. Even those words, let the reader understand. I read that and go, well, I'm not sure if I fully understand. This is why it's a mysterious sign. It's a prophecy that is fulfilled in three stages. Next, Jesus says there will be a time of great distress unlike any other. Verses 21 and 22. For then there will be great distress, unequaled from the beginning of the world until now, never to be equaled again. If those days had not been cut short, no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be shortened. Once again, the end times will mirror the terrible times of distress 
during the siege and destruction of Jerusalem. That, was, that event was a foreshadowing of the end. And these are frightening words, but Jesus also gives us this word of assurance that God is sovereign. God is in control. He's going to cut those days short, right? He's not going to let them go out to their bloody end. He will cut those days short for the sake of his children, for the sake of the elect. And then next, Jesus warns of false Christs, false prophets, false miracles, verses 23 and 25. At that time, if anyone says to you, look, here's the Christ, uh, or there he is, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and miracles to deceive even the elect, if that were possible. See, I have told you ahead of time. So don't be deceived. Jesus says there will be counterfeit leaders. There will be false Christs who will try to draw you away from true faith in Jesus. Don't believe them. Don't believe it. Even if they perform great signs and miracles, don't believe it. Jesus says you've been given advance warning. See, I've told you ahead of time. So the days of Antiochus back in 186 B.C., time of great distress. The fall of Jerusalem, the destruction of the temple in A.D. 70, time of great distress. But the days preceding Christ's return will be a time of great distress unlike any other. False Christs, false prophets, false signs and miracles, such as could almost deceive the elect if that were possible. Fortunately, it's not. Sadly, however, many who are not elect will be deceived. They will be deceived. So we've looked at the general signs of Christ's return. We've looked at some more specific signs. We've looked at this mysterious sign. And now finally we come to the unmistakable sign. And the unmistakable sign is Christ coming in the sky with great glory. And unlike the other signs which take place in different parts of the world, this sign will be visible to all, to everyone. Look at verses 26 to 28. So, if anyone tells you, there he is, he's out in the desert, don't go out there. Or here he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as lightning that comes from the east is visible even in the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Wherever there is a carcass, there the vultures will gather. Jesus is saying here, he's saying, don't be fooled by these false teachers or false messiahs, because when Christ comes, he's going to be visible to all. It's not going to be like the first time he came at Bethlehem, where his coming was only revealed to a few. It'll be like lightning flashing across the whole sky. Everybody sees it. Or like vultures circling in the air, visible for everyone to see. This unmistakable sign will be visible to all. Secondly, it will be accompanied by cataclysmic events. Look at verse 29. Immediately after the distress of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. Folks, this is Old Testament language for the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord, the day when God comes to judge the world. Thirdly, Jesus says, all the nations will mourn. Look at verse 30. At that time, the Son of Man, the, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and all the nations of the earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. This is our Bible memory verse for this week, right? 
uh, verse 30. Uh, this verse is actually the fulfillment of two Old Testament prophecies. We read one of those from the book of Daniel earlier, speaking of the Son of Man coming uh, with the clouds of heaven. And then also in Zechariah chapter 12, Zechariah speaks of all the tribes of Israel mourning. Jesus takes that prophecy, he expands it further. He says, hey, it won't just be the tribes of Israel. All the nations of the earth will mourn. Why? Because Christ is coming and it's too late. Because the, the, the sky is coming down, there's cataclysmic events, and it's too late. And then finally, in the midst of this, there will be the gathering of the elect. Look at verse 31. And he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of the heavens to the other. The elect are simply all those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ. We read the trumpet call here. The book of 1 Thessalonians tells us that this trumpet call, this gathering of the elect, all takes place at the time of the resurrection. At Jesus' return, he will send his angels to gather all believers from both living and dead. From every corner of the world, the dead will be raised and given their new resurrection bodies. We who are alive, it is coming. Our bodies will be transformed. We will all be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. This is the unmistakable sign of the end. Christ will come in the sky with power and great glory. Everyone will see it. Cataclysmic events will occur. The world will begin to dissolve. All the nations will mourn. God will send his angels to gather his elect. Now we said earlier there's three things we need to know from this passage about Christ's return. Okay, we've covered two of them. First, we need to know the context. We've seen the context with these two questions that the disciples asked Jesus. We've seen what the signs are. Now we know what the signs are. Know the context, know the signs. But now thirdly, we need to know that his return is near. That his return is near. And in these last words, Jesus shares with us two things. The lesson of the fig tree, we'll look at that. And then the absolute certainty of his words. First, we have the lesson of the fig tree, verses 32 and 33. Jesus said, now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see all these things, you know that it is near. His coming is near, right at the door. And so immediately after sharing with us about all of these signs, Jesus now encourages us to learn from these signs that the time is near. So just like the leaves in the fig tree tell you, oh boy, summer's almost here, it's coming. So when you see these signs, you will know that Christ's return is near. Now most of these signs have been present throughout the whole church age. Uh, you can pretty much take all these signs and, and uh, the people living in, in the generation of when Jesus was there at least saw the beginning of each of these signs and different occurrences of them. And isn't that exactly what we should expect from birth pains, right? That's what Jesus called them. Varying degrees of frequency and intensity. When labor begins, you may not know exactly when that baby's going to be born. You can't put the time of birth down yet, right? But you know the baby's coming, right? If labor started, baby's on the way. The birth is near. It's the same way with Christ's return. These signs let us know that Christ's coming is near, that it could happen at any time. Although, as we will learn next week, 
No one knows the exact time, only the season. One Bible commentator puts it this way, Christ's coming is near, not in the sense that it must necessarily occur within a few months or even years, but in the sense that it may occur at any moment. And in the sense that the decisive event of history has already taken place, the decisive event of history being Christ's death, resurrection, and ascent into heaven. The decisive event of history has already taken place. All subsequent history is a kind of epilogue, an interval inserted by God's mercy in order to allow people time to repent. That's where we live, folks. We live in between Christ's first coming and his second coming. And it's a time to repent of your sins and to put your faith in Jesus Christ. So Jesus shares the lesson of the fig tree. And then finally, I know we've covered a lot today. Jesus assures us of the certainty of his words. Verses 34 and 35. I tell you the truth, Jesus said. This generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. You can also translate that until all these things have begun to happen. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. And the generation here, depending on how you translate this verse and how you interpret it, could, could refer to the generation that was right there at Jesus' time who, who saw the beginning of each one of these signs. That might be what he means. It could also refer perhaps to the final generation, the final generation before Christ comes who will see the completion of all these signs. That word generation there can also simply refer to the human race as a whole. So it could simply be referring to the human race. We don't know. But either way, the, the emphasis here is this. Jesus is saying this. He's saying that his words are more dependable than nature. That Christ's words are certain and sure. Heaven and earth will pass away. We saw that with the cataclysmic events. Heaven and earth will pass away. But Jesus' words will never pass away. And so Jesus has begun now this extended teaching. It's got to stretch right across chapters 24 and 25. This extended teaching about his return by sharing with us the signs of his return. And this is such valuable teaching. Isn't that good to know that Christ's return will be preceded by signs and he's told us what they are. Because once you know the signs, when you know the signs, you no longer need to be deceived by false Christs. You do not need to be caught off guard by Christ's actual return. Just like Jesus said, he said, see, I've told you ahead of time. I've told you so that you'll know. As we'll see next week, no one knows the day or the hour, but we can discern the season. And so Jesus told us these signs so that we would be ready for his return. So here's my closing word to you this morning. Don't be afraid. That's what Jesus said, right? Don't be alarmed. Don't be afraid. Trust Christ. Know the signs. And be ready. Which, by the way, is next week's message. Ready for Christ's return. And we'll be talking about how we are to make ourselves ready before Jesus comes. Amen? Let's pray. Dear Lord, this is a big passage, not just in the sense of long, a lot of verses that we've covered this morning, but big in that it's such a, a big and important topic. And uh, Lord, I pray that as we've uh, read these signs off of the, the, the words of Scripture, that we are also very recognizing that these signs are all around us in the world. 
Lord, the birth pains are getting closer and closer together. They are increasing in frequency and intensity. Thank you for sharing us with, these, with us these signs, Lord, so that we may know that your coming is near. And help us to be ready, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The communion table is before us. We're going to be sharing communion.